0: Hello, welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers Podcast. My name is Rick. Uh, this is episode forty-nine, and I'm joined today by Sam. Uh, uh, I'm not joined by Sam. I'm joined by Tom.
1: <laughs>
0: Tom Lowell. Hi, old well, Tom. Well, it's
2: either a Tom or a Sam, isn't
0: it? <laughs> I'm just always used to saying Tom, Tom or Sam. Yeah, <laughs> if it's not one, it's the other. Sorry, Tom. Yeah. You're alright. How are you doing?
2: I'm fine. No, yes. Good. Doing Very well. Good. Thank you. Cool. Uh,
0: we're going to talk about some of the board games that we've been playing recently. Um, we've got a question of the week, which is, uh, are we coming to the end of the golden age of board gaming? So I'll explain a bit about that sort of later on. Uh, but before that, um, we've been doing a couple of bits and bobs about. I've been uh, um, hosting uh, hosted an online games evening. We had a, a Thursday evening where we got some friends together and we sort of played a few games online. So we logged on to Board Game Arena, played a couple of uh, like simple games on there. We played for sale. Uh, and, we, and we played Skull as well. That
2: was a good one. You played Skull online. Does that yeah.
0: work? Yeah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, we had um, we had voice. Uh, we had voice, and we had uh, video as well, so we could see each other's right. kind of faces. Um, okay. But yeah, it was fine. I, I think it's yeah. I think it works It works quite well. Yeah. Um, okay. Because
2: there's that social reading of people. So I was just yeah, how yeah. That would-
0: yeah, it's a bit of a bluffing game, isn't it? A bit like a bit of it a uh, yeah, trying to read the room and see what yeah, see how, what you can get away with. But um, yeah, it works okay. Yeah, it's alright. We played that a couple of times, uh, and then we went on to play a couple of the Jackbox games. I don't know if you played any of those. You know, the online. Um, not got a Scooby doing. Like little mini game things. They're uh, they're kind of like online online games where one person sort of shares a screen, and then everybody else looks right. at that screen, but they use their uh, phones as a controller. So they, they, they log on with a phone, put like a, a room number in and then they they sort of join in the game. We played uh, a game called Drawful. So it's um, okay. a game where you're kinda of given a prompt, uh, like a weird and wonderful prompt, um, and you kind of draw it on your phone and then the others kind of judge it and give you points based on, you know, whether they can guess what it is or, you know, if they can guess close to it and stuff like that. It's quite it's quite a good game. Quite a good game. It's a good good little so, fun game.
2: Online pictionary.
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. I suppose by having an online games night, you don't have to worry about um, getting the right kind of snacks for people because they're at home and they can sort it out yeah, themselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. True. Yeah. When uh, I do have some people around sometimes, and uh, yeah, I get some some snacks in and some pop and some beers and things like that. But uh, yeah, just people can help themselves to if they're at home and it's nice and comfortable. You can sit there in your slippers and. Yeah, have a drink or have something to yep. eat or something. Yeah, it was, it was all right.
2: And you don't have to worry if you spill a drink on your cards. <laughs> yeah,
0: true, yeah. Which may have
2: don't, happened two or three times.
0: Don't sometime. get greasy fingerprints on your cards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then and then the other thing that I saw, um I, I went down to TK Maxx. Um, there's one, okay. I think they have dotted about all over the place, but there's one quite local to us just at the bottom of our road.
2: Orchard Square, isn't it?
0: Yeah, uh, no, there is one in Orchard Square, I think, but the one uh, the one near to me is in Barnsley. Right. So there's a few, there's a few about, but I I think for some reason they've um, they bought a load of Queen games, like cheap from somewhere, because they're selling a load of uh, a load of board games. Um, They've they've had them in before at Christmas, uh, and I bought a couple, uh, like cheap ones, I think, a couple of Christmases ago. Uh, Perhaps they're gearing up again for 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 it this year, but um called in i spotted a couple of games i bought alambra roll and write game uh alambra is the it's like a tile lane game it's a bit like carcassonne style where you sort of put tiles on but this is the roll and write version of that yeah the roll and write of that of that game and then there's a couple i've not heard of one called lupos which is about like a cooperative game about wolves um a game called metro they had one of the unlock games there they had um can't remember which, one, which one it was, but, you know, the unlock sort of escape room The unlock sort
2: of, um, yes, uh, escape room style games yeah. where you've got three in a box or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's the one, yeah. I've always wanted to get those. those. And, and they were pretty cheap as well. They were pretty reasonable for, for what they were, so.
2: Don't tell my wife there's a TK Maxx in Gloucester. My wallet might be empty by the end of the day.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're passing one, it might be worth calling in. Sorry,
2: Christmas gifts may be purchased.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit—it's a bit of a surprising, yeah. I wouldn't expect them to see sort of board games in that in that kind of store. They're more sort of clothing, and they have like home, uh, home stuff, you know, house stuff and things like that usually. But
2: but they do have kids' things in there, having yeah, toys and toys ventured and things, in there yeah. in the past and for kids' clothes and gone. Oh, there's also some toys and stuff. So it's yeah, not yeah. the biggest stretch.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what I've been up to. You—you've been up to anything in uh, in the past month or so?
2: Last time I was on, which was sort of in August time, there was going to be the Gloucester Board Game Group's um, gaming day on mm. the 2nd of September, 45 people turned up. Wow, that's really good. Over the course of the day, so that's an average of, well, uh, three, four people per hour, but mm. no, they say for more of it, um, a whole heap of games were played. I think there was about four or five um games of uh blood on the clock tower played oh yeah some of the games i'm going to talk about i played so um flashpoint fire rescue mm-hmm. was played twilight inscription dune viticulture parker's mm-hmm. own um star wars Outer rim but also you've got uh, great western trail new zealand so it's sort of one of the newer things oh yeah so yes a, a selection of oldies and newies um and also, um, yes, yeah, um, of, of the classics. Mm.
0: The t- Twilight Inscription is one that I want to try. That's the, um, uh, the draw, the drawing game that's based on Twilight Imperium, isn't it?
2: Uh, I think so. I was yeah. there with my son. So I generally skewed towards the, um, slightly more family friendly ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, but, um, it, yeah, it's one of the ones I, I've, I've played Great Western Trail. I'd like to try either Argentina or New Zealand to go for one of those. So.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it was, uh, it was a, good get, uh, a good day then. Uh. It,
2: it, it was a really good day, yeah. Um, and we didn't stay to the end because had to go home, have food, put child to bed and things. But, yeah, it was a really positive day. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and then, yes... Uh, summer holidays finished. And I have to go back to work at school. <laughs> so so we'll, we'll just pretend that hasn't happened, can we? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So uh, shall we go on to the games that we played then? Yes, yeah, certainly.
2: Well, I was thinking, you know, as I just mentioned, uh, Flashpoint Fire Rescue might yeah. as well start with that one. It seems to be a good, you know, a good segue. So um, yeah. turned up with um, my son um, and a friend. And two other bots um, joined us with this. So we thought, like, we'll, we'll give it a go. We'll play with the family version. And it's hmm. a nice cooperative game where you are firefighters trying to get into a um, house that's on fire and rescue. I think it, you need to rescue ten people. Um, so beings, let's be fair. There's a dog, and I think there might also be a cat. So hmm. there's the family very extended family, let's be honest. And and animals inside the building in various places and you each person plays a firefighter and each turn you get you move to and then you roll to see what happens with the fire. And sometimes it spreads mm. and sometimes it's a new area and it's just smoking and sometimes it actually causes an uh, expansion of the fire. So it's quite key as to how you work together whether you are um, putting out a fire or just turning it into smoke, whether you're breaking down walls, whether you're moving with uh, one of the people you're rescuing. Because as a firefighter, you can move fairly quickly on your own, but when you're rescuing someone, your movement Mm. slows down. So getting the cooperation correct, making sure that some people are rescuing people because that's the objective and others are um, keeping the fires under control is important, because hmm. once the house runs out of structure points, it collapses. And if it collapses, whilst you're in there, well, actually you survive, but if you've not rescued enough people, you lose. And the rules were basic enough on family mode, but by gum, it's not easy. <laughs> um, we, we really struggled to rescue the victims. Yeah. Um, however, In the expert game, each firefighter had special abilities. You had less, Mm. you had one fire engine and one ambulance, so you had less places to take the ambulance to. But your abilities meant you worked so much better with each other, Mm. and we defeated the game. (laughs) So it's one of those really weird ones where the easier to learn rules is a harder game, and the slightly more um, complex rules we found were considerably easier um, and there's some you know there's some nice mechanics in there as to how do you d- determine which rooms um, the, where the fire turns up and things like that and um, there are extra bits so if you've got flammable liquids, so we just happen to have in the expert version the f- um, flammables the things that would explode and create a lot more fire, all happened to be in the living room. So clearly, the drinks cabinet was where uh, (laughs) the risk was. You can kind of put those sort of stories in. Um, We had um, victims appearing all of a sudden in the bathroom, so obviously they thought where the shower was was the safest place. Clearly it wasn't because our victim kept on perishing if they were in the (laughs) bathroom because we could never get to them because the rest of the building uh, thwarted us. But yeah, it was really a nice sort of basic game. But the the hardest bit I found was the easy version wasn't as easy as I'd have. You know, I would have liked it to be with the expert version where you've got the The game tweaked up the difficulty and I just didn't find it that way I felt but nice game um, and I don't know how much it was it was someone else's game but it seems to be a nice sort of good value for money um, co-op game Um, probably you know I'd I'd prefer playing um, Pandemic more than this but Hmm. um, I think um, it's definitely a good buy for a co-op
0: yeah, I've I've played this one a couple of times. I think you're right. I think Pandemic's probably got a bit more strategy to it and it's probably got a bit more longevity to it. I think if you played this one a few times it does it tend to get a bit get a bit same. Eh? Yeah. Um I quite like how the how the fire works though. It kind of goes off dice roll and it, it feels like it kind of it, it's quite thematic and it, it works quite well that way.
2: Yeah, and when the flash points literally happen and the fire Yeah Poor old Bob the fireman gets caught in the chest. Yeah, <laughs> the ambulance group. That's all
0: really nice <laughs> to be on it. Yeah, uh, how did you? How did you get on with the action points? Because uh, I think in the ex- expanded game you get different action points that you can use different things on. It makes yes. it makes it a bit more complicated and a bit harder to understand. It's not like a pandemic really? where you just got four and you could do whatever. Yeah, are you um, okay with that or was it a bit
2: confusing or? It wasn't too difficult because you had the specialists. Mm. So, yeah, that's where it does differ. Whereas pan- the base game uh, and in pandemic, you've got a set number. In this, depending on which specialist you were, the action mm. points changed. But that meant you had to be really laser focused on what you were doing. Mm. So, um, and some people which only had three action points but got three free things mm-hmm. and so I think, you know, there's one of them that's good at extinguishing fires only had three action points but then had three free action points for putting out fires and as yeah. you needed two action points to put out a fire or one action point to put out smoke you could actually spend it quite well and go mm-hmm. well actually in some in- in respects I've got more action points if I'm in the right place but if they were trying to rescue people, they were absolutely rubbish. So you really did mm. need to work together in your team and go, this is your yeah, job. You yeah. do your job and you do it well, we will win. Mm. Um, and maybe it was the dice rolls last time, but um, we could just focus on our job and each person did their job well. Mm. And so we won. Whereas I think the fact that it was more even, and you could all, you, you know, you were all master of none, and consequently mm. that mastery really just helped defeat the game a little easier, We we felt anyway.
0: There are a load of expansions for this as well. There's, um, We've got a couple. I've got um, uh, extra maps, and there's, like, character packs with, like, extra extra characters with different abilities in that you can get, things like that. So if you, if well, you do think sense. it is a bit... I, th- I think in the base game, the maps double-sided? There's two... Double-sided maps, yeah. Maps in so the that's base fine. game, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is slightly different because there's like... Yeah, different... Um, there's like a line down the middle of one of them and you have to get from one side to the other, but um, in the expansions there's like one with two stories and a garage and things like that, and then um, there's like other stuff that you can add in, like a, a, card of ev- a deck of events that... Make it a bit more interesting as well. So there's a lot. I think if you do like this kind of game, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that you can add to it if you want to.
2: Mm. Like I like I said, I liked it, but it was very much it's a bungalow because it was one mm. story. So the fact that you said there's another map which has other stories and other events, I can see how that happens uh, and how that you can kind of expand upon it. Uh, and yeah, more maps does very easily having a couple of extra maps just change it up again on a, in a really simple
0: yeah, fashion. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, one of the games that I played at, um, at the Sunday session that we played last time is a game called Lancaster. This is a bit of an older game. It's a Euro game. Uh, it's from 2011. It's by Matthias Kramer. um plays between two and five players and takes about 60 minutes. Uh, I think we played a four-player game. Yeah, we played a four-player game. Um...
2: You played Lancaster and Mm. you're in South Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You didn't feel dirty at all being in White Rose (laughs) County.
0: No, no, it's fine. No, it's okay. We were only pretending, so it's okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, this is a bit of a worker placement game. You've kind of got like a board of the area, like a map of the area, and you've got spots where you can put your knights in to do various things. So, you start off with a certain number of knights. Um, you put them into, into these spots and they'll let you um, upgrade your knights to, to better ones. Um, you can uh, get these cubes, which are like uh, influence cubes, political cubes. And they come into effect when you have like a voting round. So you, you put all your workers out and then you resolve them, which will let you do uh, get extra stuff, get resources, things like that. Um, and then there's a law phase. So there's um, some cards at the top of the board which give you different laws which you can vote on. Um, sometimes you want them to come into effect and sometimes you don't, so for example um, if you've got uh, four level two knights you'll get some bonus points, so if you see your opponent wants that to go through uh, and you haven't got two level knights yet because you haven't upgraded yours, you want to sort of veto that and stop it from happening
2: So there's some politicking going on
0: Yeah, yeah. and the cubes help towards that as well so there's like a voting phase where you sort of put cubes into your hand and you bid on Mm -hmm. Which laws you want to pass and which ones you want to get rid of, depending on yeah, what points. What points you want? Um, there's like a France area where you can send your knights and they fight for your country. And um, one of the weird things about this game is the the, the units are like blocks, they're like cubes of um, uh, uh, cubes that you put into a space. So when you're sending your knights to France, you sort of stack them on top of each other and put them next to each other, and you can see immediately what the strength is of that. So, like, for example, a level four knight is four times as high as a level one knight. If you imagine, like, a, a four knight is a cube.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, a quarter of that is, like, the the level one, and then half of that is a level two. So when you put a level one and then a level two on top of it, you've got three in total. And then you can right. compare that quite easily just by glancing at it. So that was quite clever how that worked. Oh,
2: that's a really nice mechanism. Yeah, I like that. Just yeah, it's yeah ha- it was how big the stack is. Is how powerful
0: cool yeah yeah it's um yeah it, it never gets more than like a few on there because at the end of the round they all get cleared off the all score points for like who has the most on there and then they get returned and then you you start getting for the next round so it's, a, it's only a quick game it's like four rounds or five rounds i think it is oh wow um, that's like expected that us about you. 60 minutes um but it's, it's quite involved because um there's various different ways to victory so you can uh, upgrade all your knights and send them off to fight in France. You get a load of points that way. You can concentrate on the laws and try and pass the ones which are beneficial to you and stop people from passing ones that are beneficial to them. That can get you a load of points. Um, you can get just points off the board once you've, uh, once you've upgraded all your workers. You can get points that way. So there's various different things you can concentrate on. And it's one of those games where you can't do everything. You kind of want to do a little bit of most things and then concentrate kind of on one area to try and build up your with turtles yeah uh, we we actually played the big box this is the um uh, the big box version so i think queen games do a few of these where they sort of put all the everything that goes for the game into one sort of big mm-hmm. big box and it's got all the exp- it's got all the expansions in there and like a few modules and a few bits and bobs we only played the base game we only played the sort of the race, basic uh the basic game but there were loads of stuff in the box for for uh changing it up and changing the sort of. Uh, the rules and adding extra things in so that was quite cool Uh, but yeah it was was good it was definitely good Um, It was a very tight game at the end the guys were in front were were pretty close and I think one or two moves either way it could have gone could have gone either way fairly easy to pick up and learn Um, uh, good fun good 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 gameplay and quite quite deep as well like I said lots of things to do and you kind of have to have a plan and a strategy of what you're gonna what you're gonna attempt and things like that so
2: Ironically, it's the same age as Flashpoint. Oh, is it? Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't know um, that. So, no. I, um, it, I, I, as a question, then, you've got these knights. Yeah. Do you just send your knights to beat up the French, or can you beat up the knights of another lord?
0: I don't think so, no. There's no direct conflict of such. So there's no direct attack conflict
2: attack
1: the other players. No, the, the there's areas where you can send them where... Them
0: yeah, yeah, there's areas where you can send them where if you have the most there, then you'll get a little bit of a bonus or they'll, they'll help you sort of in certain areas. But no, there's no sort of attacking the other players or anything like that, as far as I'm aware. Okay. Probably, probably in the expansions in the modules, there will be. Yeah.
2: Um, no, I was just wondering, because clearly you are interacting by trying to deny with certain laws, as you were saying. It was just...
1: Yeah. I, other yeah. than
2: that competitive, I get their first element, I didn't know if there was any direct conflict... As you yeah,
0: thought, the, it's nice. the the worker placement bit is the is the bit where the tension is because everybody yeah. you can see where people want to go and what what sort of what they want to upgrade and what they want yeah. to do and then obviously if you're blocking that space they can they can actually kick you out so let's mm-hmm. say I put a couple of nights on the uh, space that I want to use um, it doesn't get yeah. resolved until the end of the round once everybody's placed all the nights. so somebody could come along with a slightly stronger knight and kick me off. Uh, but they have to put more on, they have to put three or more on. Um, but then that allows me to go sort of somewhere else if you want to. And then once everybody's placed, it all gets resolved. Yeah, no, it's a, turn order is quite important as well. One of the spaces gives you the first player marker for the next round,
2: so you right. get to place your place your workers first. Okay, so it, it, it is where you choose to go to di- dictate player order yeah, rather, yeah. rather than it, the ones it, where you were first last time to so your last next time jobbing things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you can you can put you can put one or two nights out. Like if, you, if you're if you the first player, you can risk it and put a couple of nights out. But especially later on in the game, you probably will get kicked out of there because people will want to go use that spot and they'll have more nights. So do you invest early and put like more into it so it's more secure or do you risk it and then sort of think, well, if, it, if I do get kicked out, I'll have to pick something else. So there's that as
2: well. Are there limited... I'm going to go on to Stone Age in a second, so this mm. is where the question's coming from. If you have got four players rather than five, or three players rather than four or five, are there less places that you can um, place your knights? Is that more limited?
1: Y-
0: yeah, I think so. I think the board's double-sided, so on the other side there's like fewer spaces oh, okay. for fewer player count. Yeah, so it modifies it slightly, I think, that way.
2: Well, if you noticed, my segue... I'm also mm-hmm. going to talk about a worker placement um, game Stone Age and it's older okay. <laughs> it's 2008 this one's out and I've wow even older uh, yeah <laughs> I've got older finally <laughs> um,
0: we've been playing the classics this month <laughs>
2: yes def- definitely well the other ones I've been playing are definitely not um, old classics than you're but I'm on Stone Age so this is two um I think it's two to four players. Uh, I played with three people the other night. It's a nice little, it's a worker placement game. As I was alluding to, um, dependent on how many people you're playing with depends on how many spaces are available. So you start off with five um, stone age workers and each round you place your workers um, in a location and each person gets to place And goes to the next and the next and the next, and then you resolve. And ultimately it's tried to score the most points. Um and you can you can do different things. So there's one way so one of the places you go to is the fields. So is where you plant more fields for agriculture. And that's very useful particularly early on because the more fields you've got, the less um hunting you have to do to feed your um, your tribe. So you're hunter-gatherers, but if you turn more into farmers, less hunting, happy days. So you can sort of save on um, future turns by having more in your fields. You've then got the hut, which requires two Stone Age workers. And at the end of the turn, you end up with three Stone Age workers. Um, And then finally, the other place in the village you can attend, you can go to, is um, the... Worker. I don't know the correct term, but basically it's the blacksmith or stonesmith, really, I think, for the time where you get an axe. And the axes um, enable you to modify dice for other locations. Mm. So the other locations are where you're getting resources. Um, As I alluded to earlier, one of them is hunting, where you get food to feed your steadily growing tribe. You start off with 10 and clearly if you don't do any hunting or anything else fairly soon your tribe of five will run out of food and that will be bad things happening so Mm. you've then got other resources so you've got wood you've got i think it's stone or brick you've got ore and you've got gold and what happens is the number of workers you place there you roll that number of dice add up the total and divide by a certain amount. And that's how much of each resource you get. Mm. So wood, it's three. Brick, it's four. Iron, ore, I think it is, is five, and gold is six. So you need more people to get a lump of gold than you do for wood. But later on, when you're doing victory points, you will actually get six victory points per piece of gold, five for the ore, four for the brick and three for the wood so it evens out in that respect Mm -hmm. so those are some of the locations to go to together and you've then got the two different types of point scoring you've got the huts which is where you are able to trade in um, resources for points and that's where those that came from so if for example it was two um bricks and an ore that would give you 13 points, the four plus four plus five. Um, and that's a 14 point place. So, and then the other um, are cards and you have to pay a resource to pick up the card. And that's actually where the crux of the game is. I was going for huts and got some of the cards and didn't realize until too late that you need to be focusing on getting cards too. So cards have some multipliers. So um, they've either got one person or two people next to a symbol. So um, at the end of the game, if you've got four cards, which have got a total of, say, five people next to them, times your um, field score, then that's the amount of points you get from there. Um, You can also score for how many axes you've got, your total population or how many huts. And then there's another one, which is unique symbols. And these go up exponentially, i.e. however many cards you've got of a unique symbol, you square that number in points. So if you've got one, you get one point. If you've got two of those unique pictures, you get four points, three, nine points. And I got two of them. So I got a measly four points. (laughs) and I got completely thumped by the other two players who each <laughs> got eight points, I think it was, or um, whatever, it might be um, six of them. Mm. Yes, six out of the seven each. And so they got 36 points, wow. and I was sat there going, I've got four, I feel like a complete plumb because if I'd just got another couple, their mm. points wouldn't be quite so, it would yeah. be more than nine, but not quite so extreme. And I went, yeah. But it's a nice game like that. Um, Though it was towards the end of the evening that we were playing it. And so we, uh, yeah, we'd obviously had a long day. So slightly spicy language with each other. And unfortunately, unfortunately, when you are gathering logs um, Mm. or you are making more children, puerile humour has plenty of opportunity in this game. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. i definitely play it again. And I suspect those expansions I've not looked because mm. there's room for it. But it's you know, it's thinky enough, but not too much. Yeah, um, yeah. So. I
0: have think, you played I think, it at all, Rick? I think I've played it. Uh, I think I played it online on Board Game Arena.
1: All right.
0: Uh, I can't really remember much about it, to be honest, but uh, <laughs> I can't remember rolling the dice to get the resources and building up and getting workers and things like that. Is, is it another one where you, you put your workers on a spot and then that spot's locked, or can people knock you out, out of there if they've got more, more so it, workers? Or is...
2: Yes and no. So most places have got a set number. So for the resources, except for hunting for food, there are several mm. spaces. So. Right. You can, you know, if you've put down four, then there's space for another three. But with the three of us playing, you could only mm. have two different tribes on that space. Uh, right. And similarly, yeah. in the village, whilst there are three locations with three people playing, only two of them can be occupied. With four people playing, all three can be occupied. So there's always a push. Yeah. Um, yeah. And similarly, only two people can get resources with three people Um, if there's four people, then three different tribes. So, um, I I can imagine actually with four people, there is a little bit more push for the resources Mm. and for the cards and for the huts. And I think at three, it was nice enough. There was that competition and clearly I sucked. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because I hadn't realized the slightly better cards to be going for, but but there was enough there.
0: Can you remember how long it took you to
2: play? Um, I think we started it at about half past eight, quarter to nine, and mm. were finished ten quarter past ten, so about an hour and right. a half, I yeah. guess. Um, possibly would have been quicker if we weren't insulting each other so much. <laughs> yes. So, oh, so a whole uh, no,
0: part of the fun isn't it
2: Yeah and <laughs> and to be fair for two of us we hadn't played it before as well so right. I don't what does board game geek say it's expected to take um 60 to 90 minutes yep that's yeah. on the money <laughs> yeah spot on then yeah yeah board game geek doth not lie <laughs> there's 90 minutes and we never played and two of us hadn't played it before so yeah yeah um, so, another, so I played some newer games. Um, I think I'll just mm-hmm. go to, um, as we're sort of on a placement and things, I'm going to go for Expeditions. So, okay. have you played Scythe at all? Yeah. So, this is the follow up to Scythe. Um, all right, yeah. And mm-hmm. it came out this year. So, it's not a classic yet. It's right. a future classic, possibly. Okay. Um, so, no, um, it's. You are, one, you know, one of the factions. Um, again, you're scoring points. But this time, instead of having a fixed map like you do in Scythe, um, you've got hexagonal tiles, and you place them out, and you've got the south, you've got the central region, and you've got the north. And basically, um, you're moving your mech, because let's be fair, that's one of the cool things about Scythe was mm. you had mechs. Even though they weren't quite as useful as you'd have hoped, and so you'd move from location to location and try to achieve different things. So you, um, and it was effectively again scoring points. You would have, but the other nice part was was the usage of cards and how you moved about. So your card of your mech has got. A position where you start off with and you can do all three actions and that the actions are let me just trying to find a picture to remind myself of what it was you've got um move your mech you've got drawing cards or it's doing the actions or, or it's playing cards effectively mm. um, there are points where you can do all of those And there are points when you can do none. So, yes, that's move, play and gather. That was it. Um, So so first turn. The square is in a position where you can, can both move your mech, play your cards and gather, which is do things on the hex that you're at. And after that point, you will then move your square. So it covers up mm. one of those three options, so you can do two out of the three actions, and so that's really quite nice as to making you think about what you do, whether you're going mm. to move and play or move and gather, and of course you've got to move your square as well, so you can't do the same two yeah, actions can't just it. in yeah. a row. You've got a ha- you've got a cards, and that you're called your active cards. But where they are depends on what you can do with them. So if they're on the left hand side of your mech, your card with your mech, then you can um, use them. And so you can play them. But when they go into the right, you can't. And so you can refresh where well, you don't do anything else that turn. But it does mean that. Next turn, you can then do all three actions again and all the cards that have been played go to the left hand side again, ready to play. And so managing those actions and managing your cards is really one key part of the game. Also aiming for which tile you want to aim to, to do the actions on there. Um, And of course, there are nefarious beings around that you need to defeat as well so you've got to Mm -hmm. build up your strength you've got to develop some of your cards so some of them are tools some of them are uh, exploring asteroids and other things and so yeah getting these combinations right is really important for your end score Mm -hmm. and yeah there's i think five or six different mechs each with their own special ability there's pairs of cards that you start off with and they've got their own unique combinations. So the different sort of playabilities, actually the mech and card combinations give you so many options. And then hmm. with other players in those combinations, I can quite see it's got a lot of replayability. You, you know, it's a Stonemaier game. So, you know, you've got production quality. Um, yeah, it's yeah. got, it's got the size artwork. So if you, you know, You know, the artwork that you get for Scythe is a bit like with Root and other games. If you like it, you will love it. If if it's not your thing, then you will hate it. But Mm. you know what you're going to get, and you're going to get really nice Scythe artwork. The graphical design is top. It's arranged, you know, the way things are arranged is really, really good. So Mm. they know what they're doing in terms of, you know, it's a bit like with, Actually, I think all of the games we've discussed, it's really accessible. Um, Mm. And it's got nice gameplay mechanics. And I really, I just enjoyed the fact that how you moved your cards from one side to the other and some of the abilities, normally when you played an ability and picked up a new card, it went into the played section. It's a bit like Mm. some of the deck builders and things where you buy a card and it goes into your discard pile Mm -hmm. and there are certain abilities and certain triggers which mean actually it goes onto the left hand side the yet to play and so learning how to combo those up um oh i also forgot to say you also have workers so you can hire workers and you can play them on cards and that gives you certain abilities and when you rescue them or refresh them they go back to your mech enabled to be placed when you place them on a card that mm. tells you abilities so there's you know no singular big thing to do but you mm. can really generate some interesting combinations it you know it is a definitely a longer game than um stone age and flashpoint it says 60 to 90 minutes i think we pl- took more like two hours when mm. we played it but there's two of us that are playing it for the first time right um but yeah definitely feels like there was felt like there's a bit more think than with stone age yeah
1: yeah
2: um once you've got your head into it yeah i could believe you could play it in 90 minutes but Mm. you've got to to know what you're doing if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah, I think that's a, a, a similar to a lot of his, his games, like uh, Scythe and Tapestry and stuff like that. I think the first time you play it, there's a lot of like learning the game and learning how everything sort of interconnects together. Uh, mm-hmm. But once you've played it once or twice, then it, it kind of clicks. Then and you know what you're doing, and you can, yeah. like you say, that'll shave a lot of the time off the off the play time if you uh,
2: exactly. It all made sense. I'm not trying to say that it. Mm, yeah. Um, not obvious but there mm. are a number of different moving cogs and one of the bits that i did struggle with the most was which cards you could pick up and which things were adjacent at certain points and it did right. make sense mm. but i was being an idiot there's this part of it was that i was being an idiot and part of it was where it was just that little bit more Oh yes, that's what you mean. But when there's so many different plates going, sometimes yeah. you need to check whether it's a purple plate or whether it's a dark blue plate. And yeah. just a quick glance yeah. goes, oh, I think it meant that. And then when you read it probably go, oh no, it is this. It does make sense, but you know, it's easy to misunderstand a yeah. few nuances. Yeah, yeah. I, I would recommend. If you get an opportunity to play it, Rick, I would recommend mm. playing it. Cause it's a nice yeah.
0: game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: Right, yeah, okay. I think they, those are the, the biggies. You know, I, I have played other things, but I, it's sort of with family and at home, and I'm pretty sure I've discussed them before, so I'm not going to go over <laughs> old ground.
0: OK, shall we, shall we move on to the question of the week then? Yes. So I, I picked this one because I, I kind of... Uh, I was trying to think of something that we could talk about, but it might be a bit of a bigger question or something that uh, that we might have to come back to at some point. I didn't realise how sort of big of a big of a thing it was going to be. Um, so uh, you might have heard this term, this uh, golden age of of, of board gaming. Um, people saying, oh, we're in the golden age of board gaming. It's never been better. Um, and I, th- I think that's true to some extent. So uh, the question I asked was, uh, have all the best games already been made? And are we entering into an age of reprints and re-implementations, or is, is there still innovation out there? So uh, the, re- the thing that prompted this was a, a lot of the Kickstarters that are coming on uh, now are kind of reprints of, of older games. Uh, things like Ra, Society of Architects have got um, a, a few others. Uh, there's a lot of obviously
2: newer games in there as well that are sort of brand new and things like that. But... Um, Firefly, the board game, on its 10th anniversary reprinting, so. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, perfect example. And then a, a lot of the games that have come out uh, are coming out that are sort of big at the moment, like Lost Ruins of Arnike, uh Junior Imperium, things like that. Uh, they're kind of hybrid games composed of a bit of deck building, a bit of area control, a bit of, you know, card play or set collecting or something like that, where it's, you know, a combination of different things that have all been kind of put together. Uh, so this is a, a very big generalisation, obviously. There are a lot of like unique games out there, and a lot of stuff that's you know coming out that, that is unique as well. Um, so I, I put the uh, I put the question out to a few of our uh, onto Facebook, and a few of our our members have answered. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Stringer said, "We're barely scratching the surface. A few basic mechanisms of almost uh, used almost to death." Many more are available, some undiscovered, and all ready to be combined and recombined in numerous ways. So I think is, that's what he's mentioned about there with the kind of hybrid games that are like combine two different things or have a few different sort of mechanisms in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Jack Davis said, "Think theme can always be innovated on. Look at Stone my Games, Space Bees pollinating the universe. I think that's a new game that's coming out from them, isn't it? I've not not heard of it." Space but- Bees. Yeah, space bees or something. Uh, Mechanic-wise, it's harder, especially when companies don't want to take big risks on, unproven, on an unproven mechanic that might fall flat. Uh, Martin said, I think we'll be moving towards more integration with smart technology. Smartphones and tablets are now almost regarded as an everyday essential. Already, a few games are using them to add features for configuring or customizing games. I think the developers will use them more to add extra features, increase increase playability. So we, we have seen quite a few sort of app-driven games, especially the bigger sort story-based ones, haven't we? And uh, I know there's a lot of apps for like counted up points and things like that. So they are becoming more and more integrated possibly. Uh, Bentley said, uh, I think the board game industry will see plenty of smaller innovations but may need to start establishing a clearer distinction between the indie games and the AAA blockbuster ones, if only to separate player expectations and allow smaller developers to focus on innovation rather than worrying about handing out freebies on Kickstarter. So I think I think that's a good point as well. There's a lot of um, uh, indie games now that are coming out on Kickstarter that are doing their own thing and have their own, you know, their own artwork styles and their own styles of play and things like that. Um, that are catering to a specific niche or a specific you know sector of the market where a big publisher you know would never go never print ten thousand copies of a game of a trick taking game, whereas possibly on Kickstarter, if somebody wanted a thousand copies or something, it, it'd probably get funded a lot easier.
2: Well, I think we're drifting into two things. Having played the let's release a game onto Kickstarter thing, and having had a look at items. Um, mm. I think there's a diff Kickstarter is a very difficult place to look at because mm. um, you have got the fact that it's more main- you know, it's more mainstream. Now there was, um, I backed things, God, um, mid noughties late, you know, bef- before my son was born, basically, mm. um, mm and when he was very young. So my son's now 10 turns 11 next year. So what you could do 10 years ago as a Kickstarter, right? so gang up um, fulfilled in September, 2015. So eight years hmm. ago was when that fulfilled. Um, and this was an indie bod um, is a card game. And it could go on there with its art style. It's fairly unique at the time. And if you go and have a look, they will say, these are some of the cards, but we're going to do more of the artwork. Mm. You can't do that now. It went literally on there. It was a current game completion, 13%. Right. (laughs) You will not get backing now unless your game is 100% complete. Back in 2014, 2015, you could go, we've done all the playtesting, but we're on here because we need your help. And you can't do that now. So that the Kickstarter golden age of you can develop it, you have an idea, you've play tested it and you can do the other bits. You need to have a finished product yeah, Much more yeah. now on Kickstarter. So in that respect, I would agree. The golden mm. age of where you can have an idea, you can develop it as an indie and be on its way but not finished Completely. That's gone. You have to yeah. be a lot more polished. And the big boys, with it, what everyone was saying, you've got all the extras. People are expecting that more. So if you mm-hmm. don't have all the bells and whistles, and oh, look, these are our stretch goals, why aren't you doing stretch goal type things? And I'm, I'm as guilty as others. You know, there have been times I've gone, ooh, if I am <laughs> back now, I'll get this, that, and the other. And the indie bots can't do it. And and also, you can, to an extent, be innovative in terms of game design completely. It's just you can't do certain um, manufacturing things as an indie. You've got to be aware of what are your limitations in terms of production. You know, how much does it cost, which probably Chinese... will I go to to get my game printed now not Mm -hmm. exclusively because I've never used China to get stuff printed but it's where most of them are Um, Mm. you know uh, Naila Games have backed um, Magnate which is brilliant they've got um, 21x Blackjack currently on Kickstarter and that's all cards you know so I think we are limited in that respect but it was what Four, probably five, six years ago, I uh, mm. think 2017, 2018, and we had Keyforge come out. Mm. And that was the first time where you went unique decks, and there was also dabbled with unique games where your printing mm. of your version of this board game is unique. Yeah. So I think there is, yeah. and that couldn't have been done by an indie.
1: No. No.
2: So, personally, I think we've still got that opportunity. The technology, such as with Keyforge, can develop, can bring out innovations, because mm. that's one of the ways to keep things fresh. And also access other things. Um, Wingspan is a modern classic, people would say. Mm. But it did something You know, mechanistically, not necessarily new, but by what it was um, purporting to be, you know, a game all about birds, probably in the noughties, no one would have picked it up. Mm -hmm. But Stonemeyer had the foresight to go for the first time or or very early designer and go, yes, we are. And it was the biggest game, won all the awards. And I think mm. you're still going to get that innovation and great games. But we, you know, board games can go down the Disney route. And, <laughs> you know, Disney's been going for, what, 100 odd years or so? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they've had points where they've been brilliant and then they've yeah. had their slumps in their in the 80s yeah and then yeah. they've had a change around and then they've got big again the difficulty is you only know that you're out of it when you've had a number of fallow years yeah and personally i don't think we've hit the fallow years yet in board gaming
1: yeah
0: yeah i think i think you're probably right yeah uh, i did actually google the golden age of board gaming and uh, I think it actually comes uh, comes in waves because one of the earliest ones that I found was uh, a description of a period between 1880 and the 1920s uh, that was mm. described as a golden age of board gaming because mass production was coming in. These games yeah. were uh, being produced quite cheaply and there were, uh, you know, a lot of homes had, had them in, you know, in their, in their cupboards to play. Um, in the 70s and 80s, there was D&D and a big resurgence in sort of role playing and stuff. Um, games Workshop was becoming massive at that time, so that sort of um, built it all up and had quite a lot of sales. And then, obviously, from Catan onwards, um, you've got things like Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, uh, things like that, where you know you've got a sort of more modern era of of, of, of games, uh, which are kind of what we're playing now. Uh, and I think you're probably right. I think I think we probably are in, are in a, a, a in a good place at the moment. I'm quite optimistic about. So what, what the future holds, I'm sure there'll be more, more innovation in the future and people uh, will be playing more and more games. So going forward.
2: Well, this is where... So I'm going to show the fact that I'm an old fart here. But, um, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, early 90s, we bought certain things from Argos. Mm. So I'm going to use the Argos principle. OK, so... Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I could have bought Monopoly, Perfection, Connect4, Guess Who, Scrabble, Hungry Hungry Hippos, Twister, which you still can, um, you know, but, oh, Game of Life as well. So there's a lot of those classic easy-to-get things, but
1: Mm
2: -hmm. go on to page two. So I've just done a search as we've been talking. My Argos test now includes Catan taco hat cake gift pizza is a more modern thing risk okay that's an ancient thing you've got there's pandemic oh as if we've discussed that earlier as a classic so yeah. you have got the modern classics have found their way onto argos alongside dog monopoly and upteen <laughs> other you know the silly games where you've got to keep your mouth open or yeah, um yeah. it squirts you in the face which <laughs> tend to be a game, but they're not. So I think we're at the point where you have got more of the indie games have become not just mainstream. They've got themselves into um, John Lewis. They've got themselves into Waterstones. They've actually gone. No, we are Argos. We are properly mainstream now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think in that respect, it's still pretty golden that people can pick up basic Catan and some of the basic things and if they like them yeah
0: yeah
2: you can find them at other places so yeah
0: sure yeah i, th- I think that's a good point actually i, I don't think it's not such a such a uh, a big thing here but especially in america um you've got places like uh, target and things like that which are basically just supermarkets but they sell yeah you, we, you will be able to pick up wingspan there and like say pandemic and ticket to ride and Probably some of the newer stuff as well some of the more modern stuff like June Imperium and and things like
2: that. Oh, very much so. As you know, mm. I'm a bit of a miniatures game nut and have been enjoying Mm. Battletech for the last year and a half. And there was Mm. a bit of a grumbling in the UK when um, Catalyst announced that there's going to be um, an exclusive edition of uh, Beginner's Box to Target. Mm. Um, where, you know, it was a case of you've got these particular mechs and a certain match sheet. And it was like, oh, you know, and, and they, you know, discussed to a friend who plays battle and so gone, oh, well, that's, you know, that's really unfair on us. You know, it's limited thinking. Mm. And then I saw the podcast by the people saying who run Catalyst meant, went, look, Target came to us. They wanted mm. something. This is a big deal for Target to want to stock our thing and to say, we will put in an order for this. So if you've got the big movers and shakers like Target wanting to get into miniatures and other things, that's because they believe there's money there. Mm. And so therefore, if there's money, there's gold.
0: Yeah, definitely, and and I think I think the sheer volume of games that are coming out as well helps as well to keep it to keep it going.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, obviously, a lot of those are probably like indie projects or won't sell in vast numbers, but they are out there and they are available to buy. So yeah. your games like if you if you wanted like a, a quick trick taking game or a quick you know card game auction game or yeah. Tom was talking last last month about uh, Bez's games, um, you know like yeah. quick uh, little card yeah. games, um, yeah. you can those you can pick those really... quite easily. As well as your expeditions and your, you know, your Lancaster boxes and things like that, you can always pick those up as well. They're all, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's readily available there, mm-hmm. no matter what your tests are. Like you said, war, war gaming and miniatures uh, gaming as well.
2: Well, well, exactly. It and and the internet has definitely helped with the fact oh, that yeah. it's easier to get the niche items. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a case of you know, you save up for weeks, you persuade your parents to go to the one shop in the big city to go and and you go, oh, well, I really wanted this, but they've not got it on the shelves and so therefore I'm going to get something else that's not really what I wanted, but it's the best thing and it's all I can get. Nowadays, it's okay, so you get a tug on the sleeve and go, I'd like this, where can I get it from, Dad? Amazon yeah. um, or search, you know, I don't tend to go to Amazon. I'm mm-hmm. I like to go to local game stores, but I'll be quite happy to go to a local game store that's not local to me, but it's an independent elsewhere in the country and go, mm-hmm. Well actually, you know, Mighty Lancer Games or um, I'll go to Incom in Cheltenham or Patriot Games in Sheffield and I will yeah. go online but to a local game store and you could do that and you could go, Well actually with a little bit of searching you couldn't find these
0: uh yeah so i, I think there's a lot a lot that we've covered there but it's i think we've only just scratched the surface to be honest mm. <laughs> i think it's quite a big discussion so maybe we'll come back to it another time but uh, like i said i'm quite optimistic i think that um, there's still you know new games coming out that people want to play and people are, are enjoying and you know really looking forward to and there's also the the classics are, are available as well like uh, last last sunday we played ra with the reprint of Ra which is like a really good auction game rannikin it's um, yeah still fun still still enjoyable and still you know people are still playing it today even after 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 how many years 20 years that it's been out or whatever yeah i'm looking forward to uh, to play more games in the future and seeing what's uh, what's going to be coming out
2: yeah no i would agree with that um and you know um, I'm looking forward to going to UK Games Expo for probably the 8th or ninth year in a row. So, um, yeah, the, the, the gaming
0: shows are massive as well. They're probably yeah, the, as well attended as ever ever been.
2: Yeah, you know, if you look at all of the ones this year, whether it's mm. um, UK Games Expo, if it was Gen Con, um, or Brain Has Gone Adepticon, I think it was, mm. um, you know, they're, they're, they've increased their like size. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Aircon, which was something like twenty fifth twenty sixteen the first time, you know they've expanded and expanded, and they've now got their own sort of offshoots. Show Aircon West imminently. Mm. So, all right, there's definitely an appetite for it. So I think it's yeah. fair to say it's still was still within the golden age of gaming there doesn't seem to have been a drop-off to my mind. It it probably will happen at some point. And then it'll come back and we'll have to call it Platinum instead.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Platinum age of gold. board gaming, definitely. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think we'll leave it there then. We've been been going on long enough. So uh, thanks, Tom, for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. Thank you for coming on and and talking to us. Thank you for inviting me. Um, we'll speak to you on the next episode thanks to all our listeners for, uh, for listening and uh, we'll catch you on the next one so goodbye from me and goodbye from Tom bye bye